but we take care of our team members. You know, we treat them well, pay them well, but it's just more of a company culture that we're all working together and we take care of each other and it's, we're all in it together. It's not, you know, management or owner against employee ever. You're listening to the Profit by Design podcast, episode 14. You work hard in your business. On the Profit by Design podcast, we ask the big question, what has your business done for you lately? Hi, I'm Dr. Sabrina Starling, the business psychologist, the author of How to Hire the Best, and your co-host on the Profit by Design podcast. Weekly, my co-host, Mike Bruno, and I bring you tips, tools, and strategies from our own experiences and from the experiences of our guests who are entrepreneurial thought leaders and real-life entrepreneurs, all to support you in making intentionally profitable and sustainable business decisions to live the lifestyle you desire. Hey, Profit Designers, I want to give a shout out to a few of you who've recently joined our Profit by Design Facebook group. Now, Mike and I created the Profit by Design Facebook group so we could have a forum to easily interact with you all as you have reactions to what our guests are sharing or what Mike and I are sharing on the podcast. So this is a place where we really want to hear from you about if you're relating to something or if something sparks an idea or if you get into action because of something you've heard on the podcast. The Facebook group would be a great place to share that. And we can all keep learning from each other. So let's welcome our new profit designers in the Facebook group. We have Don Zerby, Eric Stern, Aaron and Jackie Denson, Trey Blackman, Linda Moore, and Janie Steitzer. Janie, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. If not, forgive me, please. I also want to shout out to Randy Hickman, who left us a great review on iTunes, a five-star review. And we really appreciate that. Those reviews help our podcast to get discovered by more listeners. And Randy left us an honest five-star review. And that's all we ask if you're a listener and you want to leave us an honest review on iTunes. It helps others find our show. Today's episode of the Profit by Design podcast is brought to you by Tap the Potential, the home of How to Hire the Best and the four-week vacation program, Contractor Business Solutions, and the Small Business Consulting Group. Hey, Profit Designers. Today's episode is a gem. I can't wait to share it with you. You're going to get to listen to a conversation between myself and Stephen Bousquet. This conversation was recorded the very day that Steve returned to his office following a four-week vacation. Now, that's pretty impressive right there because Steve scheduled this interview ahead of his four-week vacation without concern that he would be flooded and swamped with busyness when he got back to the office. He was very relaxed, as you'll see when we talk to him, and that says he's doing a lot of things right in his business. But I want to give you a little backstory before you listen to the interview. 
Steve made the four-week vacation pledge at the last retreat that we held here at my home, the Entrepreneur's Retreat Center. So back in March of this year, 2018, Mike Michalowicz and I co-facilitated and co-hosted a the Breakthroughs on the Bayou Retreat. We do this every year. We have another one coming up in March 2019. Now, At that retreat, I issued a challenge, the four-week vacation challenge to our participants. Almost every single participant took me up on the challenge. There were, I believe, one or two who didn't take me up right away and who came back a couple of weeks later and said, yes, I take the challenge. I thought about it. And so almost everybody at that retreat took the challenge, and they've all been working on setting their businesses up to take a four-week vacation. Now, I'm writing the book, The Four-Week Vacation, where I am documenting documenting what really happens in a business from the moment that a business owner commits to taking a four-week vacation to the time they make it happen. Now, sometime in the future, I'll do a special episode where I'll go into more about what's involved in taking a four-week vacation, because I know as you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, huh, I would like to take one of those four-week vacations myself. What do I need to do? So since the book is going to be a little while, it takes a long time to write a good book. I want to give you a tool that you can download right away, and that is my four-week vacation jumpstart guide. You can get your hands on that by going to drsabrinastarling.com forward slash jumpstart, and we'll link to that in today's show notes. But back to Steve, our guest of the hour. Okay, so some things you should know about Steve is this is not his first four-week vacation. He's had multiple four-week vacations. Hmm, we can learn a lot from Steve on that. And he describes himself as a blue-collar executive. His business is American Landscape and Lawn Science. In the last few months, as a matter of fact, he has actually grown the business considerably by acquiring another business. I'll let him share the details of that with you. And then he's taken a four-week vacation after that. I'm telling you, we have a lot that we're going to learn here from Steve. The other thing that we get into in today's episode is a pretty good conversation about getting out of your own way, as well as some things that Steve has learned in ways that he is continuing to improve the business by being aware not just of the need for the business to run independently of him, but making the business so that it's not dependent on any one person. Steve is also going to share with us some recent changes, and in recent, I mean within the last three years, that he has made in his business based on learning about some of my favorite books, Profit First and Pumpkin Plan, that has really transformed his business. So Profit Designers, are you ready to dive in? All right, Steve, you're back from a four-week vacation. Yes, I am. It was an excellent experience. So tell us a little bit about, because this is not the first time you've taken a four-week vacation. This is your second four-week vacation. Am I right? So this is probably my third four-week vacation. The first time I took a six-week absence from work, but not by choice. I had an accident or an incident. I hurt my leg very badly and I missed six weeks of work. And that was back in 2014. And then I took a July off uh, two years ago, the complete month of July. Okay. And then you went on this four-week vacation because you made the four-week vacation pledge at the retreat back in March. 
Yes, I did. So this one was more strategic, more planned, and uh, worked out better than the other times I took off. Oh, well, that's good to hear. We're going to get into that in a minute. I want to go back to the first time that you had to take the six weeks off. That was not planned. It sounds like it came about in a pretty stressful manner. What was your business like back then? Well, interestingly, I work with in a consulting contracting group, and he had given us homework to get our businesses prepared in case something happened to us. And he gave us a list, I think it was about 40 items. And I spent the month before I left getting all those items done. And I handed everybody their packet. And I left for my vacation. And everybody needed the packet that I gave them. So everything was handled. It was stressful for everybody, but actually taking the time to do that preparation up front paid huge dividends in the long run. So what were some of those things that were on that list? Do you remember? So having somebody else sign checks, make deposits, who was going to be responsible for which sales roles and which production and management roles. A lot of getting my will in order, getting my... uh, who had power of attorney to sign things, putting different money in different accounts. So if something happened, people had immediate access to money without waiting for me. Wow. So you really thought through a lot of different scenarios. But basically, the idea is what happens if Steve's not here at all. Right. And so I ruptured my quadricep uh, tendon in my right leg. And in Charleston, South Carolina. So I was out of work. And then they put you on painkillers. So you're not really making the best decisions <laughs> or even having valuable conversations. Uh, it's a very painful injury, it required yeah. serious surgery and serious recovery time. So I felt like I kind of jinxed myself by giving everybody the packet because then three or four days later, that's when the incident happened. But what happened was a lot of people in my company stepped up. They developed new roles, new strengths. And when I got back from that, I then took three weeks off and left the country. And so the business actually grew 6% that year with me not really being around just because of the preparation we had made earlier in the year. The business grew 6%. That's correct, right? Without me being here. And I was supposed to be the sales superstar, but it really was you know, the systems and the people that we had that became the superstars. So you got out of the way. I got out of the way. (laughs) So what happened when you came back from the three weeks? Did you step back into the role that you had been in previously or did you do something differently? We split roles. So I let them have, you know, the majority of that role that they took. And I just took kind of a different role in the business. But getting out of the way continues to be what I need to do. So you're still working on that. Here we are, three vacations and three years later. You're still working on getting out of the way. Still working on getting out of the way. Yes. Yeah. So were you worried when you took that time off initially from your business? No, I was not worried. I had a lot of confidence in my people. I think I have more confidence in their abilities and talents than they did. And me not being here to help them or answer questions, I think gave them a lot of confidence to continue those roles. Yeah. And you said they were stressed. What were they stressing about? It's just a lot. They were very capable of it, but it's just, there's just a lot to do. So I got hurt right before our busy season. I got hurt on March 7th and our busy season starts probably the last week of March. 
So I was gone for the busiest time of the year. So there's just a lot of activity. You have new employees, new clients. There's just a lot of action going on in the spring. Yeah. So, and I'm also curious about something because I know you are a big pumpkin planner and profit first implementer in your business. Were you, had you implemented either of those systems at that point? Do you remember? I had not. We started implementing pumpkin planning in 2015 and we started implementing profit first in 2016. Okay. So we were not starting pumpkin plan or profit first yet. Okay. All right. And so then you took another four weeks off last year. Yes. Okay. Was anything different that time around? Yeah. Well, so being doing pumpkin planning and having a better defined client mix and having profit first implemented all the money management was much easier. It was just more clearly defined for everybody. I think and that was a way less stressful time for me to be gone for my team. Yeah. So having things more clearly defined and the money being managed made a difference. Yeah. Having the tools and the clarity of what and why and who and how. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that really strikes me because what stands out is that you can take a four-week vacation even or six weeks or however long you need off from your business. When a crisis strikes, we make it work. We make it happen, even though it's not clean and totally buttoned up and perfect, it can still work. And you continue to work on the business and make improvements after you got back, implementing systems like Pumpkin Plan and Profit First and other things that you've done. And it made it easier the next time around. And then this time around, when you took the four-week vacation, you did it after growing the company, you had acquired another business and absorbed that into your business and then took a four-week vacation. Right. So we acquired another company and we acquired 1,200 new customers that we added in the company at the end of June of this year. And then I took my four-week vacation from in the end of October, October 19th. So I was getting prepared for the four-week vacation since March. So that was helpful, but then adding 1,200 new customers and four new employees, that's a whole nother, you know, thing to tackle and just, that's a lot of customers to add. We went from 1,500 customers to 2,700 customers, plus we added more. So we had about 2,800 customers. So from 15 to 2,800 customers is a lot of work. That's almost doubling your business. And you were also integrating new team members into the business while you were absorbing these customers as well. Yeah, four new team members. And we don't hire a lot of new people. Most of our team members stay for years and years. So integrating four new people into our culture, it just takes time. It's nothing you can rush. So we had a lot going on. And I still was able to prepare everyone and plan for the four and and take the four week vacation. Okay. So I want to dig in a little bit here. You just threw out a couple of really interesting statements that you don't have a lot of turnover. You keep your people a long time. What are your secrets, Steve? Tell us. So we don't hire a lot of people off of Help Wanted ads. We have 21 employees and two people came from Help Wanted ads. We had one person who quit the company after working for 10 years to go on to another career that he went for college for. It's a family-based business and we treat people like family here. And all the family members punch a clock and they have to follow the same policies and procedures as everyone else. 
but we take care of our team members. You know, we treat them well, pay them well, but it's just more of a company culture that we're all working together and we take care of each other and it's, we're all in it together. It's not, you know, management or owner against employee ever. And there's no special treatment for family members. You're, that sounds like that part is really important. Yeah, no special treatment. They still have to, if they want a day off, they have to put in their day off request. They have to follow the same exact policies, procedures as everyone else. So as you brought on four new team members into this very closely knit group that's been together a long time, what did you do to help that go more smoothly? We had a lunch for them when they first came on. We had a lunch in, and then we had meet, some meetings, and we put team our existing team members with them just for ride-alongs, spending time with them, and just trying to spend time with them and get to know them, get to know about their lives, their families, what's important to them, what matters. And because they were already pretty trained and talented technicians, and so it was really just to find out what was important to them and what mattered. So being interested in them as people and who they are, spending time together. Yeah. It's easy to teach the trade, you know, what you want to become part of their lives and understand what's important to them. So you can have a discussion that really matters. Yeah. So did you find that because they had been in another landscaping business that they had different ways of doing things that you had to bring them kind of into the fold of how you guys do things? Was that a challenge at all? That was a bit of a challenge, but they had the skill set. It was just a different way of doing it. And we have a specific way that we follow because we're a system-based company. So they acclimated very well to it. And once we explained how we did things and why, you know, it, it went very well. Okay. All right. So I want to go back now to this four-week vacation that you just took. So when you took your second four-week vacation, you traveled out of the country, right? Yes, I did. Okay. We went to Finland, Russia, Iceland, Estonia. Yeah, we went around Europe. Wow. What an adventure. Was that kind of a bucket list trip? So my wife has Finnish ancestry, so we have been there a couple times. And so that was kind of the main focus of the trip. And then we kind of added additional, you know, one or two day trips to those countries. Okay. This time around, when you took a four week vacation, you did something very different. So this time I went to go visit 10 businesses across the southern part of America. I went to Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee, and Alabama. So I spent between a day and a half and three days with each business owner and their family. It was a very different experience than a vacation. But I love talking about business because business is life and family and it's not just about money. So it was really an excellent experience to spend time with these people. When you set out on this journey, what did you anticipate? So the reason for the journey was a number of things. I wanted to get out of my people's way for four weeks and let them gain the confidence with their talents that they have. I wanted to learn. I wanted not to come back the same person. I wanted to get a different perspective of business and life from these different business owners and their families. And I wanted my people to grow. So it was, and I got all that out of that experience. You wanted to grow. And I hear you being very deliberate that you wanted your team to grow. So you felt it was important to take another four week vacation. 
yes, I needed to get out of their way. They could spread their wings a little bit. They're very talented, but I have a very strong personality. And so sometimes I can get, get in the way of people's talents. I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> a lot of us entrepreneurs have that issue. Do you think that the four-week vacation or a variation of it is going to be something that you do year after year to help your team grow? Absolutely. So I think, you know, Mike McCallis in the book Clockwork talked about having it be the four weeks because it's a business cycle and everyone in the business will have to do the complete function of a business cycle. And I think that's really important, you know, whether you actually go away on vacation, whether you just stay home or whether you, you know, take a trip to visit 10 businesses. It's the important part is to stay away from the business for that cycle, business cycle. And I was not calling in, texting in, emailing. I got one report a week on Thursday just saying all the bills are paid. That was my only contact because I just need to know that all the money's fine. But there was no other contact during the four weeks. So we'll definitely be planning to do that. I already have four weeks vacation planned for next year. And I might add two weeks to one of those vacations. Isn't that wonderful to have that luxury? I might. Just add two weeks to it. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that with a smile because it is wonderful. And I can go do, you know, what I need to do and come back and know that the business has actually grown, you know, with skills and professionally and talent. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a fun little story around that, too. I was at the beach last summer and it was my second to last day at the beach and my phone rang and it was Mike McCallowitz. So I took the call and he said he wanted to talk to me about some business stuff. And I said, I can't, I'm at the beach and we'd reconnect on the business issues later. But after I hung up that call, I got to thinking, I really hate leaving the beach. You know, a week is not enough. I want to be there longer. And I realized I'm the only one standing in my way of being at the beach longer next year when I go. And so I have a four-week vacation coming up in a few weeks in December, but I'm also going to do a six-week vacation over the summer. I'm going to stay at the beach, I think, about 12 days this time around. So recognizing that we can just, we're the only ones that need to say, okay, I'm going to do this and give ourselves permission. Once you've done the four weeks, you can go longer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're in our own way. Most of the time, we're usually the biggest obstacle in our business for taking time off. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that constant need to be needed in action and part of the mix. But when you come back and see that your business actually improved and that you're improved, I mean, I think the benefit to taking that time off is huge. So for our listeners who are probably listening and recognizing different ways that they're getting in their own way, how did you start to get out of your own way? First, by accident with that injury, but then after that, realizing that if I just give these people the tools they need and the information, business owners tend to kind of covet information and not share as much as they should. I don't know why, but that's just a common trait. So once I started sharing information and letting people do what they needed to do and just not bothering them during the day and that's kind of how I started. But the systems, having systems in place. So even getting ready for this last four-week vacation, I have about eight jobs I do in the company, which is kind of humbling to see that. I only am responsible for the doing of eight things. But then, you know, like in the clockwork book, transfer and trash, once you go through that process and you narrow those tasks down, you know, I really should only be doing about 20% of what I was actually doing. 
So we're in the process of making sure that happens. So it's continual refinement. Like you're still working on things to make things run better. Constant, because as soon as you get something accomplished, then you see something else. You know, I don't think you're ever there. I think it's just constant yeah, adjustment and improvement. Steve, I know that you shared with me that you also had a pretty big aha moment about one of your team members as a result of the four-week vacation process. And I'm going to ask you to share that with us, but let's take a break here and hear from our sponsor. Hey, profit designers, are you planning your profit in 2019? If so, I want to share a special opportunity with you. In 2019, I'm going to be coaching five small business owners through life-changing business transformations. So what does that mean? Well, for starters, we're going to be working on tripling your profit. That means you keep more of what you make and you reap the rewards of your entrepreneurial hard work. Now, you being a profit designer, you have heard Mike and I talking about the importance of designing your business to be sustainably profitable. That's the first thing that we're working on in this program in 2019 with these five small business owners. Then we're working on zeroing in on your business sweet spot. This is where we focus on identifying your top clients, what they need most from you, how that aligns with your strengths, and then putting the systems in place in the business to support that. When you have a clear sweet spot, it is fun to run your business. And we often hear a lot of our clients telling us they're falling back in love with their business again. And finally, we will be putting team systems and key performance indicators in place so that you can take a four-week vacation while your business grows. So if this sounds like what you want to accomplish for yourself in 2019 and you want to be one of these five business owners, I encourage you to get your application in. Apply at ProfitGift.com. That's ProfitGift.com, all one word, and we'll link to that in the show notes. When we receive your application, it will be reviewed by our team. If you qualify, then we will be in contact with you shortly to set up a meeting with our success team lead who will walk you through a profit audit of your business. And what we're looking for is to make sure that your business really has the profit potential so that the services we provide you will help you triple your profit in 2019. So if this sounds good to you, get your application in at ProfitGift.com. You also had a big realization recently that you have somebody else besides you who has a key role in the business and who was not even able to take a sick day. They would have to work from home if they were sick. And you made some changes because of that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so we have one person that is very competent on the computer and he was doing a certain function that only he knew how to do, and it's pretty complicated. So now we're bringing in someone full time to take that task. So from him, because it's a doing task and he needs to be in a delegating role. So we're going to bring someone and have them start the doing. So we have at least two people who can do it because if he was not here, yeah, we were in serious, you know, 
trouble. Yeah. Well, and I think that's such an important thing for us to be paying attention to in our businesses that it's us, the owners, who tend to covet roles and be the only one who can do things. And we need to cross train and share responsibility and take some things off of our plates. But we also have key team members. Once we start that delegation process, then we end up with key team members who can be the only ones doing certain things. And they need to be able to take sick days and vacation and come back and not be overwhelmed. Just like you you came back and you were not overwhelmed. Like there was not stuff piled up for you to do, right? Right. There was not a big pile of stuff for me to do. Really, I spent the first day just reconnecting through conversation with my team members. I didn't have a big to-do list. But yeah, so the next level or the next task is to get team members. So we're not relying on them to do key functions, but to have multiple team members that are able to do the key functions in the business so they can take two weeks off. You know, I'd like to see some of my executive team take two weeks off without ever calling in, emailing, texting. So that's what we're working on now. Are you getting any pushback on that? Initially, I actually did get a little pushback, but we'll work through that. What's that about? (laughs) You know, it's control issues. It's wanting to, um, they're afraid of giving stuff up. But I mean, once you start discussing the purpose and the reason for it, you know, they quickly agree that that's the direction we need to go. So it's not just we business owners who have control issues. Our team members do too, huh? Right. I think your A players, when you have A players, they really have a lot of pride and buy into what they're doing. So they're afraid to give that over to someone that, you know, won't do as good of a job or can, you know, take that position or task and, you know, have a setback in it. Yeah. You know, I think we really start to define ourselves through what we do. And when we, like the four-week vacation for the business owner, really forces us to start redefining ourselves separate from what we do. And I, I'm hearing a thread of that too with your A player team members that they start to, they take pride in their work, but pride can easily slip over into I am what I do. And we are not what we do. We're much more than that. And getting that space between us and our work, sometimes that's hard to make that happen. How did you work through that pushback? Just by having discussions. You know, you can have a discussion about a certain topic and not have a conclusion or come up with a solution. You know, we're all so solution-based and we need to solve every problem with a single discussion. And sometimes you just need to talk about things and and ask questions, but we're still in that process. So I don't have that 100% solved yet. And you sound like you're comfortable with that. Like you just trust the process that it's going to unfold over time. Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Slow is fast. Yeah. So tell me about some of your observations from visiting these different small businesses. Were all of them landscape companies or was it a variety? So nine were landscape companies and one was a um, kitchen bath renovation company, Rodon company. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, for me was that when you're in your business day to day, you're dealing with customers, employees, vendors, equipment. You know, it's kind of like you can lose your mission or your passion for the business because it just wears you down. It's like death by a thousand cuts. So getting out of your business and not running the day-to-day, it kind of let, gives you a clarity. So what happens is you lose that clarity and the mission and the passion, and you're the head of the business. 
So then your employees start, they lose their mission, passion, and clarity. And then the clients start running the business or the employees start running the business, which is never good for a business because then you don't know what direction you're going in, what quality levels, what's acceptable. So getting out of the business and keeping your mission, passion, your the character that got you to start that business, you know, to be, you get your soul back being out of the business for four weeks. So that's the gift that you got from these four weeks. You got your soul back. Oh, absolutely. I have so much more clarity. Yeah. What's clear for you that wasn't before you took the four weeks? You know, what we stand for, what we're about, you know, why I started this business, why our employees are so valuable, who our most valuable customers are. It goes back to pumpkin plan and, and why we need to really nourish those relationships because it's all the, you know, the weeds and the gourds that try to get into your business that you have to keep cleaning out. But that can be a daunting task and it will wear you out. Yeah. You sent me an email while you were on the road near the end of your four weeks and you made a comment about your observations of what it's like to be a small business owner. Are you comfortable speaking to that here? Sure. So... You know, I love numbers, P&L, balance sheet, cash flow statements. We looked at a lot of those, but, you know, one of the biggest striking parts of spending that much time with 10 different business owners is, you know, how much character these people have and how they all came back from something. You know, there's no easy button in small business and there's no easy button for life. And, you know, all these people are just fighters and they came back from something and they're still dealing with certain things, but they keep fighting. And I mean, just the resiliency and character these people have, there's a a Finnish word, it's sisu, and that means that determination, intestinal fortitude, and to be a small business owner, you have to have sisu, and that's just what it takes. Every one of them dealing with challenges and coming back from it and struggling through, that strikes me because... I think there is the impression when you're in small business and you're struggling, you can feel alone. You can feel like, oh, it's just me. I must be doing something wrong. All these other people, they have successful businesses. What's wrong with me? And your observation is that everybody in small business, everyone that you encountered was struggling. There's no easy button, you said. Right. They're struggling with something at different times of their lives and their personal lives or in their business. You know, you have bad employees that can sue you. You have economies that crash. You have vendors that go bankrupt. There's just so many different things. You're, you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know when it's going to be. And people just work through this stuff. You know, they have family members that die, which is very difficult for the family. And, you know, there's just no separation between a small business owner, their personal life and their business. I mean, you can't be passionate about your business and be miserable at home and you can't be passionate at home and and not bring that into your business. So there's a lot of things that affect business owners. For those who are listening, and I'm sure many of them are going through challenging situations right now, what words of wisdom can you offer? So, you know, you just have to keep That's why it's important to remember your passion and mission and why you started your business. And so for the small business owners that I visited, you know, it's never about the third home or the Lamborghini or the Maserati or any kind of thing. It was always about 
contributing to their community, providing for their family, and becoming a better person. So if that's your mission, you can push through a lot of difficulty to get to that because that's your communities where you live, your family surrounds you, and, and you always want to improve yourself. So, you know, but the thing is, you're never there. You, there's never a customer count and a number of employees or a, a revenue amount where you're there. You're never done. Actually, as your company grows, you have to become better. You have to learn more. You have to improve it. It's not easier. It's just a different challenge. So I think realizing that you're always going to be working on it and at it helps. So you're not disappointed when you get to a certain place and things aren't easy. It's just there's no easy. There's no easy. There's no easy. Yeah. You're our numbers guy. And a lot of other business owners really respect that and learn a lot from you about paying attention to their numbers. How have you come to be that way in your business? Have you always been that way in the business? No. I thought that if I knew about plants and equipment, I would have a successful business. That is not the formula for that. So I was in business for about really 28 years before I really understood how important it was to understand the numbers, the ratios, balance sheets, cash flow statements. And, you know, we struggled for years and we had to come back from a financial hole at one point. And it took about seven years to dig out of that hole. And then for the next 10 years, we kind of coasted along. And then I started reading accounting books. And once I understood the numbers and the relationship between the numbers and in all of the business, that's when we really started improving our profit. And, you know, fortunately, I read, I got Mike's book, Profit First, and I wouldn't have been ready for that book six years earlier. Or, you know, I just didn't, wasn't that familiar with accounting. But, you know, since reading and practicing Profit First, it's the only time that we've hit our profit targets. And, really? Yeah. So. In over 30 years of business, it sounds like it was like around year 20. Yeah. that you implemented Probably, first? Yeah, actually, we two years ago. So two. you're 33. All <laughs> right, folks, are you listening? <laughs> profit first helps you hit your profit targets and you don't have to wait 33 years to get there. Right, Steve? That's right. I wish, you know, I think a lot of people are like, if I'm this craftsman or I know how to do these, I knew all the plants, how to design, I knew all the turf, soil. I knew which equipment to get, but that did not lead me to the profits. You actually have to focus on what profit needs to be and, and the numbers. So there's a series of books that I read that it, it's funny. The guy who wrote Duct Tape Marketing talked yeah. about planning for profit. And he recommended this book by uh, Greg Crabtree, Simple Numbers, Big Profit. And I think there's more to that title, but Simple number of big profit is what I remember. So then I, so first I read Accounting for the Number Phobic. Then I read Greg Crabtree's book. And then two years later, I read Profit First. So Accounting for the Number Phobic is kind of the terms. Greg Crabtree is the why. And Profit First is the how to do it. So Greg Crabtree's book is great, but it's difficult to implement. So when Profit First came along, I'm like, ah, this is the how. So we started implementing that. We're still improving on that process. But since we did that, we are hitting our profit target every year. So for someone listening who hates reading, hates accounting, yeah. what can you tell them? 
if you're not going to be interested in tracking your numbers and following it and you don't understand it, hire someone that does and can explain it to you and you'll understand it eventually. There has to be someone in your business, in your life that is tracking gross profit margin, profit percentages. You know, there has to be someone in the business that's tracking that. It can't be an accountant that's just doing your taxes. That's not management. That's just filling in boxes and following the law. You need tools, accounting tools that can help you manage your business. Yeah. So it has to be tracked. And on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, what are we talking about here? We track all the numbers daily. We track everything daily, but I don't look at the daily numbers. I look at the numbers monthly and I look at quarterly. Okay. So, and when you were on your four week vacation, who was looking at the numbers? My office manager. So I sat, we had a system set up and she was looking at the numbers. And if the numbers were off, did she know what to do? Yeah. So there's just adjustment levers or knobs, whatever you want, whatever term you want to use. But yeah, she knew if what, how to handle that. Wow. Okay. So this has been, I think, a real eye opener probably for some of our listeners to really hear you speak to. You've got a handle on the numbers in your business. You have what we call key performance indicators, especially the financial key performance indicators that need to be in place. It doesn't have to be you there watching them daily. And all of this was not in place just a few years ago. No, 2012 is when I really got serious about watching numbers because we would have a good year and then not so good year, then a great year, and then an okay year, then a not so okay year. So I said, I have to get this handled and figure out how to have good years every year. You know, if you talk to accountants and everything, oh, the economy goes up, the economy goes down, they're using excuses. And I was done with excuses and I want to take control of my company and its finances. So that's what I started learning more. It's only three books that I really focus on. And so it wasn't that I had to go back to school, take night classes. I just used these three books. Yeah. You didn't go get an MBA. You read Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits by Greg Crabtree, Accounting for the Number Phobic by Don Fotopoulos, and Profit First by Mike McAllowitz. Right. And in three years' time, you've made your business profitable and you've taken multiple four, six week vacations. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. After 30 something years in business. So it can be done. It can be done. So if you're a startup, you know, know your numbers earlier. But if you've been in business for 15, 20, 30 years, and there's still a lot of time to make improvements and profits that you, if you had told me, 15 years ago, I was going to see, I was just like, there's just no way. I thought the only way to make more profits was to add more accounts, more people. And actually that can really hurt your profit. So, you know, there's still time if you're in your late forties, like I was before, you know, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think probably a lot of our listeners are in that age range. So the other thing that I'm struck by is that you were able to almost double your customer base in this last three years too. I mean, just in the last few months, but that went as smoothly as it did because you had these strong financial controls in place in your business. Right. So we had to run a lot of mathematical models with my accountant, who's an MBA, to see how this acquiring this new business was going to affect the business. So once the models made sense, we went ahead with it. But yeah, since recession of 2008, we've actually tripled the company. And we doubled in one of the worst recessions America's seen in, you know, 
almost 100 years. And a lot of that had to do with understanding the numbers. So now we're triple and it was easier than I thought it was going to be because we have the systems both operationally and financially in place. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you. This has been an incredible conversation. I think you have certainly opened some eyes and definitely given some small business owners out there some hope about what they can accomplish in their business. Great. I'm glad I could share that. Thanks. Thank you for spending time with us today. Join our conversation in the Profit by Design podcast Facebook group. Share your thoughts on today's episode, ask us questions, and let us know what you want to hear about next. Visit our website at ProfitByDesignPodcast.com to access resources from our sponsors and tools we've created for you. Subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening to right now. There's a subscribe button right there. Go ahead and hit it so that you always get a notification when we release a new episode. And finally, share our podcast with a friend if you know a friend who would enjoy it. Thanks again for listening. This is Real Life Business. Keep your chin up. Keep moving forward. You got this.